This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch Fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets unbeatable. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Happy Halloween, everybody, and welcome back to the Clutch Fans Podcast. Uh, the Rockets take on the Pistons tonight, opening the regular season for the 2012-13 season. Uh, that's going to be an exciting moment. And uh, last time we were here on the podcast back in August, we were licking our wounds from a uh, failed major trade uh, or uh, a major trade going down that the Rockets failed to be a part of, now being the Dwight Howard-Andrew Bynum trade. Uh, and here we are. We we fully expected to go into this season um, completely rebuilding. And I'm not sure that has exactly changed, but we had a lot of youth and a lot of guys we were looking at hoping uh, to pan out. Uh, and the Rockets executed a major trade just uh, less than a week before the season would start. Uh, this past Saturday, sending Kevin Martin, Jeremy Lamb, and three picks, two first-rounders, including the Toronto pick, to the Oklahoma City Thunder for James Harden. So this was a major trade for the Rockets, uh, certainly a marketing coup, as if uh, it landing Jeremy Lin in the summer wasn't enough. Um, they've uh, added James Harden, the beard, and they've got a backcourt that uh, is going to get a fans a little bit excited. So we've got a lot to talk about today, and uh, joining me is... Uh, David Wiener, Beam a Thug of the Board. David, thanks for coming on. Always happy to be on. So uh, what was your reaction uh, to the deal? I mean, obviously, Saturday night, I think it was around 9.30, if I'm not mistaken, uh, completely random time. You don't see that happen very often. Uh, what was your reaction when you found out about the trade? Um, I was actually catching up on about uh, seven hours worth of uh, Twitter timeline, and I actually started checking about – five minutes after the trade went through and I, it just blew my mind. Um, totally did not see it coming. Uh, I had actually tweeted earlier in the day um, about how if I were Sam Presti, I, mean, I was randomly tweeting about James Harden. Uh, if I were Sam Presti, I'd, I'd be willing to wait a year and then just match an offer sheet and restricted free agency. And then all of a sudden you trade James Harden to the Rockets. I, I just, it blew my mind. I, I, it totally came out of left field for me. I think it made so much sense, but I still, you know, I never put much stock into it. Be, uh, you know, the talk of, of going after Harden because I just had a hard time seeing the Thunder trade him. But if they were going to trade him, Houston always made a lot of sense, just given that the Rockets had uh, a couple of shooting guards. And, and, and it made sense from that standpoint. But completely caught me off guard. I don't think there's anyone in, um, media-wise in, in, in this state that had any clue this was coming, and, and it was a shock. Uh, 
you know, and, and my initial thoughts were, wow. Um, you know, when I, when I saw Kevin Martin and Jeremy Lamb including the deal and Adrian uh, Wojnarowski, you know, first reported this as he usually does. Um, I was like, wow, great deal. And he had mentioned that there were more picks. We didn't know the details of those then. Uh, and my thoughts were, you know, I sincerely hope the Toronto pick is not in there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it is, but I'm hoping it's not. And, you know, and then when we learned that that pick was included, as well as the Dallas pick, the top 20 protected, um, and Charlotte's second rounder, uh, you know, those other those second two picks didn't bother me. The Toronto one did a little bit. Uh, I think, but still, when I look at the totality of the deal, everything that's included, uh, just getting Harden is something the Rockets, a player like Harden that they have been unable to do, this price is not too much, in my opinion. Um, I think it's a great deal for Oklahoma City, and I think those who say that uh, are absolutely right, all things considered, what they, you know, the the situation they were in. But I think from a Rockets standpoint, they had to do this. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a lot to give up. It, it, you know, I agree. the The Rockets package was, I think, far and away the best deal Oklahoma City could have gotten for James Harden right now. Um, you know, another another testament to Sam Presti, who who very well might be the best in the business at what he does. Um, they they really did get a lot. The Rockets had to give up a lot. But if the if the Dwight Howard saga taught us anything, it's that it doesn't matter um, how many assets you have to offer if the other team won't trade the best player to you. It, you know, you're back to square one, and I think, you know, testament to the front office, you know, Daryl, Sam, Gerson, they, they, you know, and I guess Mr. Alexander as well, they were willing to to pay the premium to get a premium caliber player, and they got their guy. Yeah, it, you're you're absolutely right. I, I look at it, uh, you know, first of all, like I said, when I mentioned Martin and Lamb, to me. You're taking two roster spots for one, really, and, and a better player. You're getting the best player of the deal at that same position. To me, that aspect of it is a no-brainer. Uh, Harden is clearly the best two-guard of that bunch. Jeremy Lamb has potential, but uh, Harden has star potential, you know, you would certainly say. Um, and like I said, the wild card to me is just that Toronto pick. We don't know where it's going to end up being. But at the same time, it's a complicated situation. I liked the pick. Um, but it's top three protected this year, uh, and you probably are going to get it this year. And I think Toronto's going to be a pretty good team. I think they will fall short of the playoffs, but I don't think, uh, you know, they're probably going to be closer to 14 than they would to four. Um, and it's the 2014 draft, the one after this one, that that's really the gem. And I, it's unlikely that the Rockets, uh, that Toronto, that Toronto pick would have come in that next draft when it's only top two protected. So, you know, time will tell how what that pick actually ends up being. But I think overall, great trade for the Rockets. They needed to, to uh, have some star power. And I think Jeremy Lin is a, is a global icon. Uh, but as far as a local attraction uh, with real star power, it's hard to say if Jeremy Lin's that. And I think uh, James Harden could be. Yeah, I think he's, you know, Jeremy Lin is your, I think I used the phrase in one of our other podcast kind of the artificial superstar and that he's he's eminently marketable but um while he had a phenomenal run in new york last year he he hasn't doesn't quite have the track record that james harden does uh, i think harden gives you a bona fide star player that you can legitimately 
build your team around. And, I mean, Jer- Jeremy Lin's a good piece to the puzzle, but I think Harden's that foundation piece. You know, I think and there's been criticism, I think, uh, from some. I think, you know, overall, obviously, it's closer to 80%, I think, of fans that, that really like this move. Um, but, you know, people are saying, hey, they're, they're, uh, they're not truly rebuilding. They're now back closer to the 14th pick, um, you know, with, with their own pick or closer to the ninth seed, scrapping to make the playoffs. In the past, and I think everyone knows, I've absolutely hated that approach. Cannot stand being here at the 14th pick, the ninth seed. But it was based on the fact that the Rockets really had, uh, you know, guys that didn't have high upside, weren't exactly super young. Um, the future wasn't there with that team. And it just seemed like the Rockets were doing themselves a disservice, spinning their wheels, and uh, they had no future. And I think that's what was frustrating. Harden is completely different. I mean, this is a 23-year-old. He's younger than Jeremy Lin. He's younger than Chandler Parsons. I mean, I think that's a shock to people because they know James Harden. They, they, they know he's good. They've seen him. He's been in the NBA Finals. He's been on a, a uh, you know, team that won the Western Conference last year, uh, and he's been on the Olympics. They probably think he's a veteran. He's, he's played in the league three years, and he's 23 years old. If the Rockets are the 14th uh, you know, pick of the draft or the ninth seed or what have you, yeah, it's not ideal, but you let the chips fall where they may because at that point you've got young talent that are, that's playing up to that to that level, and the, the future's bright. And I think from a marketing standpoint as well, it's tremendous. I think when you added Jeremy Lin, it, it was debatable whether he would ever be that carrot uh, to lure in a Dwight Howard or, or some other star player. I think you look at Lin and Harden as a backcourt. I think it's going to do it. I, I do. I think – you know, within the next year, I'm not, uh, you know, we've seen many strikeouts in, in the attempts to add bigger name players, but I think in the next year or so, you, you will see them do that because I think Harden and, and Lynn, um, from a marketing standpoint, is very attractive for a superstar player. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, you, you have those two guys uh, installed there, very marketable. You know, James Harden's got the beard. You know, you, you, you take your marketability wherever you can get it. And, uh, you know, luckily Harden's a phenomenal player as well. But, you know, I think it's going to lead to more national exposure. Um, just the fact that it's such a young, a young group. I think, uh, Carlos Delfino is the only player on the roster who's over the age of 26. Uh, that, you know, this could be, Kind of Oklahoma City light, as in where the Thunder were maybe two years ago. Um, now, you know, I'm not saying we have anyone on the roster as good as Kevin Durant, even Durant of two years ago, but you know, they really kind of captured the the the, the hearts and minds of the, the rest of the league a couple of years ago, and um, you know, kind of became a force. And I, I think we might be able to be something like that in the sense that. Players will notice the team uh, will be an up-and-coming team. So many young players that you know. Hopefully, a star player is going to look at that and say, yeah, "I want to be a part of that." This is this is a place I can sign a long-term deal, and I'm not going to get stuck the second half of my contract on a on a team full of washed-up players. This is a team that where I can compete, I can grow with them, I can compete, and the life of my contract, I'm going to be in the hunt for something. <laughs> right. You know, I, I at first I think I mean I liked the move. Um, I, I was fine with that, but 
but I don't think I really understood the magnitude until, you know, I happened to be uh, at the Toyota Center. This was, um, you know, as the open practice was starting on Sunday around noon. And, you know, Daryl Morey had tweeted that, um, you know, they were coming from the airport, uh, you know, with Harden and, and Aldrich and, and the guys that had come over from the Thunder. Um, but I guess I just momentarily lost uh, sight of that, that they were going to be, you know, walking around the building fairly soon. And, you know, I had come through the media room heading over towards the court uh, where the open practice was. And when I came out into a, into the hall, uh, I saw Mikhail and two of the coaches. They were sort of on my left. They were walking towards me. So I was going the same direction ahead of them. Um, and walking down the hall, here comes Daryl and Gerson, uh, Gerson Roses. And you know, said hi to them and, and just was coming up to them. And then, you know, it was almost like, uh, you know, the intro to Reservoir Dogs. I mean, uh, Harden and, and the rest of the the guys and almost like an entourage of Rocket staffers around them, um, you know, come right around the corner and straight towards me. And I'm I'm kind of feeling like I'm in the middle of the street and then, you know, like some West Side Story scene or something. It's, it was it was a little bizarre. It really felt slow-mo. I'm like, get out of the street. Here they are. And uh, I just, you know, got out of the way. And, and Harden just seemed to have a real charisma, a, a confidence about him. You know, he had this huge smile when he saw Mikhail from a, you know, from a distance. They're walking towards each other, and he just yells, coach. And, you know, he comes running, uh, you know, comes right up to him and gives him a hug and, uh, it just seemed like he was he was uh, very excited to be here, um, and it's going to add sort of an energy or uh, uh, you know just some pizzazz to this team. When quite frankly, this was shaping up to be a year where we were more focused on the draft picks at the end of the the season than any kind of product on the floor. I mean, we were hoping to see young players develop. Um, not much hope for the playoffs, and I, I think this gives us more of a reason to watch this year. Oh yeah, no, he, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be very fun to watch, and he's yeah, I'm not the least bit surprised that that he had kind of that genuine enthusiasm even behind the scenes, wanting to go give Mikhail a hug and things like that. He from everything I've read and seen, you know, this guy's the consummate you know team player, and uh, you know something uh, you and I were talking about uh, a little while ago um, that maybe not a lot of people really focus on or realize that, you know, we, we recently added guys that have uh, kind of risen to near stardom as late first-round picks or second-round picks or, in the case of Jeremy Lin, an undrafted player. James Harden was the number three pick of the draft a few years ago. This guy was a stud coming out of college, a big-time star, you know, a guy that, most teams are going to draft and, and build their team around, but because of the way Oklahoma City was building their team, they already had, already had Kevin Durant, they already had uh, Russell Westbrook. You know, Sam Presti had made the decision they're just going to, you know, they're, they're going to be bad for a little while to accumulate high picks, and where they got a little lottery luck and got the last of the three lottery picks and, and took Harden, and most top three draft picks that come in especially on a team that has an opening at their position. I mean, there there wasn't a star shooting guard on the Thunder when Harden got drafted. You know, they're going to come in and expect to get a starting spot. But because the way the, the Thunder was constructed, it made more sense to have a, a defensive-minded player like Tabo Cephalosha start at two guard 
Harden was asked to come off the bench, never pouted, never raised a fuss, team player all the way, accepted his role, embraced his role, and became one of the preeminent bench players of the last couple of years. And I, I, I think that quality in a guy with his pedigree is so rare. And I think now that he is the star, he's going to be the starter, get all the minutes, everything, that's going to rub off on other players, and it just can't help but make this a better team. I, and I will, and I think those are great points. I will say though, I mean, and do you agree with this? Let me know. Is you know, you're probably going to see as far as his percentages go down a little bit. Obviously, I mean, going from that six-man role to the best player on the team, the star of a team. I mean, he's not playing with with Durant. He's not playing with Westbrook, uh, and he's not playing against reserves in a lot of cases. Now, I'm not saying that's that's been exclusive. Um, you know, he he obviously is playing significant minutes. Um, and, and, and facing some of the league's best. But, you know, you know, I think I'm expecting anyway for his number, his uh, percentages to go down a little bit. Um, his scoring, I think, you know, points per game will go up. Um, but uh, what do you think about that? Do you think that's we're going to see a little bit of a – I mean, he's obviously going from, you know, the sixth man to alpha dog. Yeah, I mean, I think his, you know, true shooting percentage, um, you know, if we want to pick a – a useful statistic. Uh, I think that will definitely go down as, as defenses key, key on him more. But I mean, even in, in Oklahoma City, you know, he could be on the floor with Russell Westbrook and, you know, he, he may have the ball in his hands more than Westbrook had it in his hands. And, uh, you know, I've seen the Rockets and other teams with Harden on with one of the other superstars have to change their defenses to focus on, on Harden because he's just killing them. Every time down the floor. So, you know, even playing with Durant and Westbrook, I think he's, he's garnered a lot of defensive attention. But yeah, I mean, you can't help but, but have your percentages go down. I mean, I think the, the Rockets are going to play at such a high pace that his volume scoring is going to go way up. I think, you know, between him and Lynn, uh, you know, running the court, there's going to be a lot of easy buckets for a lot of people. And then also, I think, uh, you know, Harden himself was saying in the press conference, you know he's not he's not going to shoot lights out every single game, but those games when he's having a tough time, he possesses the skill set offensively to make the pass, to get the rebound, to make the winning play, even when he's not shooting the ball or he's getting double coverage, get it to the open man. So he'll still be a plus even when defenses are king in on him. Sure, and you know you mentioned true shooting percentages should uh, you know highlight that. I mean his his. Uh Shooting percentages last year were just were outrageous. I mean, uh, he shot over 49% from the field, 39% from three-point range, uh, almost 85% from the free throw line. I mean, outstanding numbers. And uh, you know, you you love the fact that in his three seasons in the league, his field goal percentage has gone up each year. Uh, has you know overall been a good three-point shooter all three seasons, and 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 ditto to the from the line. So he's obviously very talented. And I love the fact that he's, his strength is pick and roll. And that, that's what Mikhail loves to do. I think he's going to fit in uh, very well there. So I think he's going to provide good value. Um, and it may seem strange, but to give a little background, you know, I, I, I find it fascinating that all three of the major acquisitions that the Rockets made this, this summer or this uh, offseason, if you will, uh, Jeremy Lin, Omer Oshik, <clears throat> and uh, James Harden, that the Rockets exploited uh, financial situations, that they um, 
gave an amount of money to these players that the other team themselves were not willing to give. And a lot of that was because of the role they were in. But, I, you know, specifically looking at Oshik and Harden, the situations are very similar. At least when somebody comes out and criticizes these moves, um, you know, they, they say, hey, you, you just gave eight to nine million dollars to a backup center in Omer Oshik. Yeah, sure. He's also a backup center to one of the best defensive centers in the league in Joakim Noah. And his role in, in Houston is going to be coming up as a starter. Um, and that's where you make that value, um, it, you know, similar to Kyle Lowry, third string point guard at, at Memphis, comes to Houston, uh, eventually becomes a starter and his, his value, you know, significantly increases. And I think the same thing with James Harden, even though he's going to become a max player here, the same thing applies. People say, hey, this is your a sixth man. He's coming off the bench. Um, you know, he's the third best player on his team, and, and you're giving him a max contract. You know, I think that, that that's not all, of course. That's just uh, the criticism by some. Well, yeah, sure, he's the third best player on a team uh, that was, uh, you know, a budding dynasty. Um, you know, very young, very talented players on that team. He's going to come here and, and be thrust into a new role. Now, whether he succeeds at that or not, we'll find out. But I, I think that's uh, just an interesting parallel between the situations where the Rockets, you know, by some standards overpaid or, or paid more than they were, you know, would have gotten in the roles they were in on their, on their current teams or their previous teams. Uh, and now in Houston, they're, they're being given a, a greater role and, and uh, greater pay, greater responsibility. So, yeah, and, and, you know, I'd like to talk a, a little bit about the cap space angle in this trade as well, and we'll get to that because obviously that's your your forte. But uh, there was another um, angle, and that was the, the uh, cuts that the Rockets made. They had to cut five players in order to trim the roster down to 15. Um, you know, one of the big stories was that Scott Machado made the team, um, but they did cut Jawan Johnson, uh, John Brockman, uh, Gary Forbes, uh, Lazar Hayward, and uh, who am I missing? Sean Livingston. And that was uh, Livingston to me was a bit of a surprise. What was your reaction to those cuts? Um, yeah, the, the first three weren't a big weren't a big surprise with uh, Brockman, Johnson, and, and Forbes. Even though I I think for different reasons it was real tough luck on all their parts. I think Forbes play, came in was a true pro was a uh, did did enough to make most teams, but this got got caught in a numbers game. Um, Brockman unfortunately got injured, never had a chance to compete. Uh, Johnson, I, I, I kind of put Johnson and Hayward in the same in the same boat for a second, even though Hayward was just traded to us. These are guys on rookie deals that a lot of teams on cheap rookie deals because they were back end of the first round guys that most teams would keep around because they're relatively favorable contracts. And it's not like those two guys are are complete scrubs. They're they're moderately useful players that that are still really young, and you know to. To cut those is, is, is somewhat unusual, um, and you know they, they had they had option years that they that the team could have exercised that chose instead to just waive them. So that, that's a moot point for them. Livingston was a was not really a surprise. I think it's kind of the Rocks. I think have been on the fence with that decision for quite some time, and I think they just decided that um, Tony Douglas and Scott Machado um, were were good enough to back up Lynn, and I think maybe. Livingston survives the cut if we don't make the Harden move because, you know, Harden yeah, plays yeah. a lot with the ball in his hands and he he plays a lot like a point guard at times. So having him on the floor is at the two position 
kind of gives you flexibility. You, you can run with Tony Douglas more, who's kind of a shooter, um, and, and you can get away with that more without having to need that Sean Livingston true point guard security blanket. And then obviously there's the cap implications that Livingston was set to make three and a half million, but only one million of that was guaranteed. So by waiving him, you actually created an extra two and a half million in cap room. Right, and then I, I definitely, you know, when they made the deal for Livingston and knowing that that uh, aspect of his contract that you just highlighted, I, back then we thought he'd be waived. Though at least there was a good chance that he'd be waived. So that aspect wasn't a surprise, but because he played well, because they had time before that contract became guaranteed that they could have gone into the season, and some, I think some point into December, uh, you know, paying up to $1 million in there or whatever the, the guaranteed portion was, and then they could have cut him. Um, that that made it a bit of a surprise to me because I thought they they may want to keep him to to trade him you know with the 3.5 million going out being able to take in another player but I got to tell you and this uh, you know leads into everything that anybody I've spoken with on or off the record has has focused on this aspect and that's that addition of the max um, contract guy uh, whether it's later in the year you know via trade or or next summer. Um, it's all about that. So they probably looked at it like, why would we take back, uh, you know, a three or four million dollar player for Livingston um, that is a decent player and have that hurt our long term uh, cap space? And so that might have made helped make the decision for them. Right now, everything as far as their future, adding Harden is about adding another superstar player alongside him. I mean, they they are not content with just Harden. That's um, very clear, and I think. You know, the Livingston move was about making sure that they had enough cap space. Yes, no, absolutely. I think that, that you know, a lot is made about adding James Harden as a max player, but uh, people need to realize that the way this team is, is set up with ex- expiring contracts, players on rookie deals, and a guy like Harden who is, is young enough where his max salary is not going to be that high, and, you know, Ashik and Lynn aren't even on that, on very monstrous deals, so to speak. Um, this team is going to have potentially max cap room. And, you know, you hear Daryl Morey talk about it a lot, but, um, you know, you, you think that's spin, but if you look at the numbers, it's there, it's sitting there. The Rockets are set up to have max cap room. They'll have enough cap room to go out and just add a star in free agency or, trade for a star fairly easily and that can't be stated strongly enough and that's going to be one of the kind of the 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 pillars of strength for this team as the the outlook goes moving forward cap room now and and especially next summer is is one of the absolute top priorities because that's going to be the the most likely way to to get that second star player and you know a, a lot of people kind of compare the Harden trade with with the hypothetical Dwight Howard trade had it gone through and kind of, you know, there, there's that inevitable um, instinct to want to compare Harden to Dwight. And obviously James Harden's a good player. He's no Dwight Howard. But there are other, you know, factors at play here that actually set up the Rockets very nicely where they would not be set up nicely with the Howard. I mean, you'd have Howard, and you can figure out the rest if you have a guy like Dwight Howard. But um, one of the downsides of the Howard trade was um, 
Well, number one, uh, the extent you could even re-sign him and keep him beyond this season, uh, he was going to make north of $20 million, whereas uh, the max that Harden can make is less than 13.7. So there's an extra $7 million in cap room you have to play with just between Dwight Howard and James Harden on their respective max deals. Uh, also, in order to get to get Dwight Howard, the Rockets would have had to trade everything they gave up to get Harden, plus would have had to take some bad long-term contracts. So then, you know, if you take a Jason Richardson or a, a Glenn Davis right. or a Hito Turkaloo, that's another several millions of dollars um, in cap room taken up by those deals. So you're, you know, the way the Harden versus Dwight Howard trade can ultimately be judged. If we end up adding that second star, you can you can look at it as well. We could have had Dwight Howard, and we didn't get him, so really there we couldn't have had him. But or we have James Harden and the second star player, both of them, and you would not have gotten that second star had you made the Dwight Howard trade. Interesting. Um, this particular season, right now, with this, you know, after they cut Sean Livingston, they've got I believe seven to eight million. Uh, roughly in in cap space, what does that mean to you? You know, the Rock. Talk to Dura a little bit about that. That it's going to give them a lot of flexibility. And he he highlighted the fact that they uh, that's how they got those two two of the three picks that were included. The the second round deal for the Bobcats, or excuse me, the second round pick from the Bobcats and the uh, the first rounder from Dallas that came uh, via the Lakers in the Jordan Hill trade. That they used cap space in those deals. Uh, in order to get those picks, and, and they're gonna have seven and a half million this year. How do you? How much of a benefit is that? Oh, it's gonna be huge. Um, now, whether they they truly capitalize is, is is you know is another thing. But um, right now, there are, I think three teams that are really set up nicely from a from an in season cap room standpoint. I think Cleveland is far and has far and away the most cap room, and then I think after that it's Phoenix and Houston. Those are going to be, to the extent that another team is looking to dump salary uh, and is willing to give up draft considerations to dump that salary, Cleveland, Phoenix, and Houston are going to be the brokers of those deals. And what I think would be ideal for the Rockets, uh, if, if a star player comes on the market at the February trade deadline, that that cap room is going to give them a lot of flexibility to try to make a, make a move for a star player. But more than more likely than not, you may see that room used to absorb maybe a large expiring contract from a team that's currently set to pay a bunch of luxury tax. They're trying to dump this salary before the end of the season so they can save millions and millions of dollars in taxes. The Rockets would be able to absorb up to about $8 million without sending back any salary to the other team, and you might be able to get a first-round pick out of that, you know, potential taxpaying team for the, you know, burden of taking on that salary. And where that really helps the Rockets is they, sure, they take on the salary, but they're going to get a draft pick. That salary will come off the books this summer. It won't hurt their their off-season cap room situation. Plus, they're going to have an extra draft pick they didn't have before to use in trades to then try to get a star player in trade next summer. Yeah, see, that sounds perfect. Obviously, you're only targeting luxury taxpayers, right? And and you and you can only take back uh, deals that are expiring this year, at least from a rocket standpoint, because they don't want to hurt that cap room long term. 
Right. I mean, I, I, you know, one team I've kind of looked at and and they seem like an obvious uh, target, so to speak, or a, a team that, that's probably going to be looking to, to make a move like that is, is Chicago. Uh, they're, they're stuck in a, a kind of interesting situation where because they gave Kirk Heinrich the, the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, they are now hard capped at $74 million. And their payroll right now is north of $73 million. They can't even offer Carrillo Fasenko a league minimum contract. They have to they have to cut him and have to wait a few weeks to even sign him for the minimum. Um, so I think a guy you might see dealt at the deadline is Rip Hamilton. He's making $5 million this year. Uh, Chicago's already over the luxury tax threshold. Uh, Rip's deal's partially guaranteed next summer for a million. Uh, that might be a deal that, that the Rockets would be willing to take on, um, you know, five million this, a million next year. Uh, if you work a buyout with him, uh, you can probably get that million dollar figure next year reduced somewhat, kind of like they did with Derek Fisher last yeah. year. Uh, and, you know, you'd think if they're desperate enough, you'll get a first round pick out of Chicago who, at least with Derek Rose out most of this year, um, that's probably going to be a somewhere in the middle of the first round, maybe, maybe early twenties. Absolutely agree with you. They'll be looking at those situations all year. Uh, I think they look at caps, uh, you know, cap space as being a real currency and, uh, you know, them having it is a, is a luxury, quite frankly. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, hopefully they can leverage that situation and pick up some picks because right now, uh, you know, after that trade, they are a little bit depleted. They have their own, assuming it's a lottery pick and, and we'll, we're going to talk about team outlook here in a second, but, um, uh, you know, obviously they lost, um, you know, three, their three key uh, picks that they had after that. So, you know, I'd say before the trade, I think we were really dealing with a lot of fan apathy, to be honest. I think uh, Rockets fans that have been, you know, sort of diehards for a long time, going to keep watching. But I think they just were a little bit discouraged about this team before this move. Uh, it was sort of hard to watch, and it didn't look like you, you were going to see these young guys' extensive minutes, which is what we were, you know, hoping to see those guys develop. Um, and I think this move, you know, adding a young player with with star type potential, very talented, only 23 years old, sort of becomes your guy. Um, I think that makes it a lot more exciting for them. I really only thought this team was going to win somewhere between 29 and 31 games before this. I do think this ups it somewhat. I'm going to say mid-30s, maybe 35, 36 wins, something like that uh, is where I'd probably peg it right now. I'm having a hard time. I could see this team um, pushing for the for that eighth seed, but I, I still think they're too young. Um, but I do boost them up from this trade, not just because of Harden. I think, you know, you, you lost Kevin Martin, you lost Jeremy Lamb, and Harden is an upgrade there. But I think the fact that you can – constantly now have uh, either Lynn or Harden out there to run the show. I think when Lynn stepped out of the game, you were going to see this team take a step back just from a point guard standpoint. And when Omer Oshik stepped out of the game, you were going to really get hurt uh, from a defensive standpoint. I think when we saw Moti Yunus in the preseason come in there, uh, you could see how bad they were going to struggle defensively with Oshik out there. Now you got Cole Aldrich. I'm not saying he's, um, you know, a special center, but I, I do think in a backup role, he might be solid. You know, was the 11th pick of the draft in 2010, has some potential there, uh, but he's a decent defensive player and can get rebounds. So I think 
you with this trade you've shored up some weaknesses that were going to definitely mean more losses uh, uh, this season. So I'm going to put him somewhere in the 36, 37 ish. Yeah, I'll stick with 36 wins. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm uh, enough of a prognosticator to be able to predict where where exactly I think they're going to be. I I had them kind of in the in the middle of the pack of non-playoff Western Conference teams before this trade. I think this puts them up in the territory of where they were last year. Um, I think they'll compete for the last playoff spot. I'm not holding my breath they're going to get it. Um, I think at this point, I think it would be great if they made the playoffs because I think, you know, that would kind of signal to the league, hey, you know, this is kind of like when Oklahoma City made the eight, they, they got in the playoffs as the eighth seed and everyone knew, okay, this is a team on the come. We got to start paying attention to them. Um, so I'd be all for, you know, this team making the playoffs. I'd say maybe, you know, 30, 35% chance of that happening. Um, I'd put them in the, maybe the, uh, the upper 30s as far as wins. And yeah, they could probably, they could probably hit 40 if a couple of things break their, break their way and maybe even bust them in the playoffs. It's, I mean, they are so young and it is, I think, you know, we may get a little our hopes up, you know, after watching the preseason. Hey, they're five and two in the preseason. They look good, and, and you know what? At times they did look good, but it's just such a different animal in the reg- in the regular season. You play to win, 48 minutes um, solid, and uh, I think that you're going to see some of these young guys, which we need to see grow, like Terrence Jones. Um, they're gonna they're gonna make their mistakes. I mean, it's just it's just the way it is when you're a 20 year old rookie in the league. So I think we may lose a few more games than some people perhaps expect. Uh, but you know, I, I'll just say I'm I'm a lot more excited about this team than I was five or six days ago. Yep. I mean, if, if nothing, they'll be fun to watch. <laughs> right. We I never understood with the, with their with Comcast the TV station coming on and the All Star game how they would do a, a rebuilding season. I never totally trusted that they would do it, um, but they made me believers you know, coming into the preseason like this. I did not expect this trade, uh, so I feel like I got suckered. But you know what? Knowing what they're doing, um, that they're, uh, they're not going to go with that three- or four-year rebuilding plan, this was a great first move, and I'm, I'm quite a bit more excited about the season. Thank, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Always a pleasure, Dave.